0: As I was thinking about the message I was I started to think about some of the truth, truth truths T R U T H S in scripture that have been destroyed by many in the church and they have taken godly truth and made them ungodly for all practical purposes. And the examples are endless, but the one that I thought about, one or two that I thought about was that, you know, this whole issue of grace. How grace is now viewed as a license to sin. And then you can, because Jesus has already paid the price, so you can go ahead and sin, don't have to worry about it. Thought about uh, how we, the church has taught tithing, and tithing is not a bad thing. But if, tithing, if your tithing is motivated because you are trying to avoid something, then your motivation is all wrong. And I think that's you know, where it's one of the ways that the church has just missed it. And then we have talked about being a sinner saved by grace. And I thought about the, there's a scripture in Ephesians that was used a number of years ago to teach that doctrine. It's, it's Ephesians, I can't remember the exact verse it is, but it talked about being sealed by the Holy Ghost, by the promise of the Holy Ghost. And they, have, they interpret that word sealed as being, you're not canned up, you can't get out, you can't get in. And that's not what that means at all. And so Oftentimes, the church brings an outside interpretation to Scripture rather than letting Scripture interpret itself. And tonight is another example that we're going to talk about. Slavery in America has such a horrific connotation that just the mention of the word slave or slavery, people just want to shut down automatically and crawl into camps. Because they, they view slavery because of what they know about American history. And it was horrible. You know, families were separated. Children were separated from mom and dad. Children were separated from each other. So it's, it's a horrendous history in our country that it gets played out over and over and over. And when it gets played out like it has over and over and over, when you bring that to Scripture, you're missing Scripture in such a big way. You are missing Scripture. I was thinking about Jamie's title last week when she said, Change is not a cuss word. And uh, I almost said that slavery is not a cuss word. It's not a cuss word, if you understand scripturally what it's all about. S- slavery, ladies and gentlemen, hear me out. It's our spiritual reality. Okay, we were born into slavery. We are living in slavery. We will die in slavery. Do you follow me? We were all of us were born into slavery. All of us are going to live our lives in slavery and then we're going to die in slavery. But here is where the example of American slavery falls apart. It's destroyed spiritually. In the natural, the master chooses the slave. The master chooses the slave. In the spirit, the slave chooses the master. Are you following me? Look in Romans chapter 6. Spiritually, the slave chooses the master. Okay? We're going to look at Romans chapter six, chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 16, 17, and 18. And in those verses, we're going to see a word translated as servant. In the Greek, it's the, it's the word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. Every time that word is used, it means slave. Every single time. Okay? And, the defin- and in the Hebrew is the word ebed, E-B-E-D. And the word means a person who is in a permanent relation of servitude to another, his will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. His will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. Who does that sound like? Off the top of your head. Jesus. Just off the top of your head. Jesus. Okay? In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, a servant. It's really Paul, a slave. Okay? Paul, a slave. Remember, slavery, the word slave is not a cuss word. Okay? In James chapter 1, verse 1, James says, James, a slave. Titus, Paul says, I am a slave. Peter, I am a slave. Peter, the slave of Jesus Christ. John, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, John, a slave of Jesus Christ. The word servant is there, but it is the word slave. And the reason I am making such a big deal out of this, ladies and gentlemen, is because Until we understand that we are slaves, we are not going to be the men and women that God can work through to bring revival. Okay? In Romans chapter 6, look at verse 16. It says, Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves slaves to obey. His slave ye are to whom ye obey. And now here are the two masters, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the slaves of sin. You were. Now, I I know I'm about to really get deep here, so bear with me. What does the word were mean? Is that past tense or present tense? Past tense. You were the slaves of sin. Okay? You were the slaves of sin. Okay, but Brother Barry, if I if I was the slave of sin, then why does verse 16 says, to whom you yield yourselves slaves to obey, his slave you are? It's because, because we are now born again, because we now have the life of God living inside of us, slavery for us is a choice. Okay? Now, if we do not choose to be a slave to righteousness by default. What are we doing? Choosing to be a slave. Going back to verse 14, 16, we're choosing to be a slave to sin by default. So that's why I say we are slaves. Born into it, living in it, we're going to die in it because we're going to be someone's slave we either going to be a slave to sin or we're going to be a slave to righteousness. Okay. Verse 17 again. But God be thanked that ye were the slaves of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the slaves of righteousness. We became the slaves of righteousness. Now, when you think about slavery, in the Bible, it has no similarities to what we have seen in this country's history. None whatsoever. In fact, when a person was a slave in the Hebrew culture, he could only be a slave for six years. And then he was freed. On the seventh year he could only be a slave for six years then he was made free now the thing I found interesting about this and you can read this in Exodus chapter 21 a person who went into slavery with his family when he was freed on the seventh year he and his family left the slavery okay they were free if the man was went into slavery And he got married while he was in slavery. Then on the seventh year, he was free. But his wife and his children belonged to the master. Okay. So what did the husband do who was set free the seventh year? He went back to his master and he says, I love my wife. I love my children. And I'm going to serve you because I want to be with my family. If he became a voluntary slave. Are you following me? Okay. Another difference is that slaves had rights and protections under the law of Moses. You just couldn't do anything to a slave. Okay. And then it was also possible for slaves to attain positions of power and honor. And we see this in Genesis chapter 24 and in Genesis chapter 41. So to try to analogize American slavery with what we read in scripture cannot be done. But so often, because we hear the word slave automatically, we bring in what we know rather than what the book says. Okay? Rather than what the book says. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I was, As pastor was ministering this morning, I was hearing a lot of things that he was saying through the mind of a slave. When you get a chance, go back and listen to pastor's message and listen to what he says through the mind of a slave. Because a slave has to obey his master. It's not a choice. It's not a choice. And see, that's where we go wrong in the church. We think we have choices when it comes to whether or not we obey Jesus. No, we don't. We can't pick and choose. If we are a slave, everything he says is what we do. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Verse 19 says, What? Know ye not... That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Do you see that last part? Ye are not your own. That is slave imagery. Do you see it? Okay, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Again, slave imagery. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? So we see here in two verses in Corinthians that we are not our own. We belong to somebody. It's either going to be sin unto death or it's going to be righteousness unto life. I like righteousness unto life. Okay? That's That's where I fall. Now, I want to bring a couple of things to your attention that I think is very important. In verse 20, it says, you are bought with a price. That word bought, it means to go to market, specifically to buy, redeem. To go to market, specifically to buy, redeem. What does the word communicate, ladies and gentlemen? The word communicates one impo- couple of things, but one Thing that is very, very significant. What Jesus wanted, he had to go somewhere else to get. Okay? What Jesus wanted, he had to go somewhere else to get. In other words, what Jesus wanted, ladies and gentlemen, was not found in heaven. He came here to get what he wanted. You are what he wanted. Are you following me? Okay? He had to leave heaven to get what he wanted. And he wanted us. And and verse 20 says, you are bought with a price. That word price means to pay honor, respect, of a state or condition of honor, rank, dignity. Now this is what I want you to understand. Based on Jesus leaving heaven, because what he wanted was not in heaven, it was here on earth, which is us, okay? In every transaction, the seller sets the price. Is that not true? Okay. But ladies and gentlemen, it is the buyer who determines the value. (laughs) Let that sink in. It is the buyer who determines the value. So think about how much value Jesus placed on each one of us. Do you remember when Judas went to negotiate with the Pharisees to betray Jesus? He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which is what you would pay for a slave. Okay? I want you to look in First Peter, chapter, chapter one. I want you to see the value that Jesus placed on us. First Peter, chapter one. And I'm going to tie all of this in. In First Peter chapter one, look at verse 18. "For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, there's that slave imagery again that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. That is how much he valued us, his own blood, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, Who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifested in these last days. What are the last two words? For you. For Kathy. For Scotty. For Nicole. Lee. For you. For you. The buyer determines the value. He gave up everything, ladies and gentlemen, for you, for me. Everything. That's how valuable we are to him. Okay? Now, when Jesus purchased us, The buyer has the right of possession. Am I correct? The buyer owns it, right? So if Jesus died for us, if he shed his blood for us, he owns us. What does that mean? It means that he is now our Lord. He is now our master. Now you can understand the slave master analogy. It's all through scripture. It's clear as day. But the word servant muddles the water because you don't see the relationship as well with when you use slave and master. But when you understand that that relationship with Jesus is a good thing, it's a good thing. Because see, if Jesus is your master and you are his slave, what does the Bible say? By his strife you are healed. Okay, my master says, I'm healed. For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by your master, Christ Jesus. Amen. You see that? Here's the problem we don't like being slaves, we want to have a say. We want to give our opinion. And ladies and gentlemen, so many of us, and Barry included, we are not where we could be because we have not accepted that we are his slaves. And when we are his slaves, he tells us what to do. He tells us to jump. He tells us where to go. He determines who we are and when we get to the point that we say yes Lord I don't quite understand it in terms of the entire slave mentality but yes Lord I am going to be on the same page with you okay now Philippians chapter 2 and pastor was there this morning where he was in Philippians But in Philippians chapter 2, who is, and we've seen it a little bit already, who is our slave role model? Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels, and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. As a slave, do we have the option of not doing this? No, no. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind was in Christ Jesus? Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. You see me? Are you following me? Okay. Who being, verse 6, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a what? Slave. It's the word doulos. Slave. Notice it says he he took it. He took it. He accepted it. He made a decision to live as a slave. And was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus was a slave. Jesus, this is for effect, was a slave. <laughs> okay? There are two verses in John that really cement this thought, and we know them. John chapter 5, verse 19, and John chapter 5, verse 30. I want you to turn there, and what I am going to do, I am going to read those verses from the Amplified Bible. So the first one is John chapter 5, verse 19, from the Amplified. So Jesus answers them by saying, I assure you, most solemnly i tell you the son is able to do nothing of himself of his own accord but he is able to do only what he sees the father doing for whatever the son for whatever the father does is what the son does in the same way in his turn now verse 30 i am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Ladies and gentlemen, that's powerful. This is Jesus talking. I am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide. I decide as I am bidden to decide. The decisions I make are the decisions that my father's telling me to make. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is right, just, righteous, because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. Jesus was a slave, ladies and gentlemen. Now I'm going to say something that you may want to jump up and down and call Barry a heretic, okay? Okay. But hear me out. Jesus did not have free will. He was a slave. Does a slave have free will? No. Jesus chose to be a slave. Remember, we read this in Philippians chapter 2. He chose slavery, which means then he chose to have his will totally in line with his father's will, not what he wanted to do, but what his father wanted him to do. He had made the decision that whatever his father's will was, was, that would also be his will. He chose to live the life of a slave for his father. And see, that is where we are right now, ladies and gentlemen. We have to make the same choice, because remember, either we are going to choose to live, make the choice for righteousness, or we're going to obey and make the choice for sin unto death. We only have two choices, and we're living in one of them right now. Okay. Just like Jesus chose to be a slave to his father, we must choose to be slaves to the father. And just like Jesus was not free to not do the father's will, we must not be free to not do the father's will. That's the revivalist mentality, ladies and gentlemen. That is the mentality of the person who sees Jesus as the pearl of great price. That is the mentality of the person who understands that there is nothing, and I mean nothing, more important to the Father than doing whatever we can to give a lost person the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The revivalist mentality is that of a slave where his will, her will, is totally wrapped up in Jesus' will. Jason can't say that What this is what I want to do. Jason says this is what Jesus wants to do. This is what I want to do. Nicole can't say that This is what I I think we need to do. Nicole says, this is what Jesus says we need to do. This is what we're going to do. Slave mentality. That's the revivalist. Because, see, when we get to that point where the only voice that matters is the voice of Jesus, then he will be able to move through us. And ladies and gentlemen, and, 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 and we're winding, we're done. There is no way, none, there is no way that we are ever going to realize John chapter 14, verse 12 in our lives until we reach the point of being a slave. It's not going to happen. There is no way the Apostle Paul could have written as much of the New Testament he wrote if he was not a slave. It's just no way. Now, I know that all of us, I'm saying this by faith, all of us are progressing more and more toward looking like a slave for Jesus because that is our heart's desire, amen? We're gonna spend 10 minutes. I just What we're going to do, we're gonna sit and be quiet and let the master talk. So I hope you have a pen or a pencil or something you write with so you can hear your master's voice. And I will come back up in about 10 minutes. I want to encourage you tonight to um, spend time with Father to find out what you need to do more to move closer and closer to becoming a slave. And It may not be anything major that you need to do. It may just be like what Pastor was talking about this morning. There may may be some tweaking that needs to be done in order to move you from this place to this place. But it all starts with you spending time with the Master and letting Him tell you what He wants you to do.